As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Allocation Disorder. I am Sam Stasekel, joined, as always, by my colleague at The Athletic, my good buddy, Paul Tenorio. Paul, tonight, we have a new sponsor. It's a giant bag, like, huge bag, like, 30-pound bag of frozen little green peas. Hey, I've got, like, multiple of those bags in my freezer right now. Um, you know who's not in the freezer? Chicharito. The little P. He's definitely not in the freezer. He is he may have been frozen last year. And I mean, he is thawed. He is cooked. He is thawed. He no longer has he probably ate two of those thirty pound bags of peas last year. Yeah. It looked like he did. <laughs> and, but now he's been grinding. I think that's his favorite word. Is he's just grinding. And he can't stop scoring goals. Five goals in two games for Chicharito. He is now uh, more than 25% of the way to my prediction that he'll get it to at least 18. Um, I'm feeling pretty good about that one. You should. You know what, though? I'm going to pivot because I know it's going to frustrate you. And that's what I like to do on this show. Oh, wow. Sam went all out on a limb and picked the most expensive and most accomplished striker in Major League Soccer Stop. to score 18 goals or more. You didn't pick it. Because I you didn't, actually you didn't go out happen. on a limb. I actually you think it would go happen. out on a limb. That's why. I actually did something and said something. Come on. That was unlike. I'm Come just, on. You know, I don't know. You're going to say after the year Chicharito had last year that picking him, just no one else was doing this. I'm on the record. Last year of talking about how idiot. great of a signing Chicharito was, I'm yeah, on the record. I, I'm also no one believed in Chicharito like I did this year. Okay, I never stopped believing in him. I'm just saying. I mean, it's not like the guy is like you know. No, he listens to this some show. schlub. You know, he listens. To, well, he was last year. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if you saw. He was. Um, anyway, we've already got sidetracked. We haven't even started the show really yet, and we've already got sidetracked. We've got a few different things to talk about. We are going to talk about the LA Galaxy and their two and zero start, uh, and Chicharito, 
uh, and some other impressions from around the first two weeks of MLS and CONCACAF Champions League that we've had. We are recording on Tuesday night, a little bit ahead of schedule, not our usual time, uh, just due to some scheduling stuff. Later in the week, uh, Toronto and Cruz Azul are playing as we speak. I got that one on DVR, Paul. Hopefully, hopefully you're recording it as well. But Atlanta and Philly just finished in their first leg of the CCL quarters. That was a fun match, so we'll get to that later in the show. But first, you know, I, I we kind of had a little bit of a fight in the pre-show meeting about this. Um, Paul won. Um, and we're going to talk about some roster rules. Yeah, we basically <laughs> had a fight about whether or not to talk about roster rules. On a show that was designed to talk about MLS roster rules. But Sam's too cool for MLS roster rules right now. He got very into the Super League last week. He got very into his own opinions about MLS teams. And he decided that you, loyal listeners of Allocation Mm -hmm. Disorder, who slogged through months of CBA talk for the hope that we might go into the... Because nothing else was going on Hold on. To, to, for the hope that we might get back into the amazing world of Major League Soccer rules, you were going to be disappointed because Sam doesn't want to talk about MLS roster rules anymore. He wants to talk about Chicharito. That's I it. Do want to talk this about is a Chicharito, Chicharito podcast now. <laughs> and and my main man slamming Sammy's slamming Santi Sosa, uh, Atlanta midfielder. Uh, my my breakout prediction looking pretty good on that one. By the way, just another FYI. one out on the limb. Another one out on the limb. Sam only I mean, makes predictions about DP signings that are, that are right, that are correct. Yeah, you're right. Speaking of DP signings, and we can this will lead us into our roster rule talk. Toronto FC made a big one on uh, Monday. Jefferson Soteldo coming from Santos in Brazil. Venezuelan, 23-year-old. Uh, I believe he's 5'2", which I'm always in support of the super short winger. Uh, it reminds me of, of Jao Paulo, the legend. Not Jao Paulo. Jesus. Jao Plata. That's embarrassing. It's late. It's like 1045 at night. So I, I apologize, Jao Plata. Um but yeah, highly rated Venezuelan, Venezuelan international, um, coming from one of the biggest clubs in Brazil where he was a regular contributor, a uh, solid performer, um, and somebody that should add a decent amount, I think, to the to a Toronto attack that, when healthy, already has plenty of, of pretty solid pieces, including the reigning MVP, Alejandro Pozuelo. Um, Paul, this was interesting to me for a few reasons that we'll get into. Uh, why was this signing interesting to you? Was it interesting to you? I assume it was, but what? But was it interesting to you? Well, first of all, let me go out on a limb here and just say that this guy's probably going to be pretty good in MLS. We'll call that a Sam Stasekul prediction, okay? Um, no, it, it's it's very interesting to me. Don't shake your head. I'm at so me, mad at you. <laughs> don't, don't shake your head at me. <laughs> Sorry, you don't get anything right, Paul. I just hope that everyone on Twitter follows my lead and realizes the buttons that this pushes on Sam right now. Okay. I just want you all to realize that. How many people were picking Chicharito score a bunch of goals? I Paul? just want you to realize how, many? how angry he is. Were okay? you? That's all I'm saying. How many people were picking this? I'm no. just saying. I Matt Doyle did for that. Matt Doyle did, so probably more they than need a, a few golden people. boot draft. It's different. Anyway Sorry, let me get out of my Sam Stasekul prediction mode that a DP is going to do something DP-worthy. Paul, you're and a jerk. 
What was interesting about this signing is that it immediately puts in, uh, in a spotlight or under the spotlight a change in the MLS roster rules that Sam's too cool to talk about. Okay, and and this roster rule is regarding the um, young money, which we discussed a lot on the show. Sam's written about a lot. I've written about a lot. And there were so many You're different. Probably all bored of hearing about at this yeah, point. Yeah, for sure. And we've talked a little <laughs> bit about the. You know, we we knew that there was a kind of a in development phase for a long time of young money, trying to decipher um, what what restrictions were going to be on it. And one of the main restrictions that they decided to put on the teams was that if you have three senior level DPS, so DPS who are not young DPS, so tw- over the age of twenty two. And um, cannot Over the be age of twenty three, twenty three, because young DP is twenty three, and cannot be bought down with TAM. Then you can only have one young money slot. Teams that have two senior DPs or two DPs only uh, can have up to four young money three. players. Uh, yeah. No, up to three true. young money players and one young DP. And then if you have two senior DPs and one young DP, then you can have three young money players. So the, the design here is that you can have for MLS is that they would prefer that you have at least four players, 23 or younger, on discretionary funds, right? That's I, not how I'd frame it, though. I think it's just more like they, they won't let you sign three 27-year-old DPs and three 22-year-old young money players and have like six effective DPs who are, you know, those young money players, they stay young money players until they turn 25 or until their age 25 season. So prevent you from having three six DPs in their prime, essentially. I think that's why they did it. Right. So the pref... I mean, yes, that that is why they actually did it. But their sell of this rule is essentially... We're encouraging teams to go sign these young players, and we believe that money is best spent on young players who can be resold. And even more specific than that, you know, they've put incentives in place that, you know, young money players purchase for $2 million or less bring the greatest return in general allocation money. So even further incentives that if you're spending a little bit less money on these transfer fees, that... MLS is going to reward you for that if you resell those players. All that being said, why is it interesting? Well, it's interesting because, and this is kind of what makes me laugh about the league, is MLS is going to be now marketing and selling the hell out of the signing of Jefferson Soteldo to Toronto, right? Very good player for Santos. Uh, very exciting signing for Major League Soccer. The potential to be a game-changing player for one of the best teams in the league. Historically, one of the best teams in the league over the last few years, at least. Certainly not that way for their whole existence. But And at, in the same breath that we should be celebrating the signing of a 23-year-old player. Yeah, that's the thing. If he was seven months younger, Toronto would have three U22 spots right. available. He's a 23... So... You cannot tell me it's like, oh, you can't resell this guy for a profit. Oh, wait, he's only 23. You absolutely can. This guy falls under, checks all the same boxes as any young money player, any young DP, except for the arbitrary nature of this age limit that's been put in by the league. And what they're really doing and what it does is it really shines a light to me and makes it transparent 
that the aim of this rule is to give the the non-spending owners control to rein in to as much as they can the higher spending teams and to say to the to the lower spending teams we're not going to let this get too out of control yeah, we want you to spend it's more to money to rein them in while also throwing them a bone though yeah it's, but it doesn't matter it's one it, step forward it's you're taking a step forward but you're keeping a hand on the back of the jersey right you're holding yeah, them in reining them you're in not, which is you're what not I getting said. them too far ahead right but you you are you're not reining them in from the status quo right you're giving them a little and you're taking a little back but you're not really like i i disagree with this idea i mean you're giving them a little but not really if they don't follow your rules toronto gets one young money player because they signed somebody who's 7 months older than the yeah. arbitrary age it's it's that specific part of the rule like to me what you're talking about is you're giving them something and you're holding onto the shirt is the structure of the gam based on how much money you spend on these young money players like that is like kind of saying hey you know we're going to we're going to give the teams that are spending 2 million or less a little much, bit more of a reward yeah. whatever this part of it this idea that if you have three senior dps that you should not have the same opportunities on the roster is a joke and it's there's no justification for it we talk all the time about how different teams want to build different ways and mls uses that same idea all the time they say we're giving you all these tools every team can use those tools the way they best see fit and the favorite thing that they like to point to is the teams like philadelphia and fc dallas that do well by putting their money mostly into the academy but they don't give the same level of respect or you know they're not as deferential to the teams that say okay well we're going to go spend on three really good senior DPs or, you know, I'm not going to say really good because obviously Josie Altidore has been hurt too much, but Josie Altidore and Michael Bradley brought them a championship along with yeah. Jovinko. Right. Yeah. So I'm not going to not that, that those guys. The idea is that those guys are really good. Right. And so why, why ultimately saying the question is why is it that a team like Philly and Dallas can do things the way they want to do things and have the full availability of the rules at their disposal and, and, and the full advantages of the, of what MLS has built. The MLS clearly is blessing this path and endorsing this path and, and nodding to this one over here and saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. We gave you the tools. You chose this path. Well, it's, it's a pretty simple answer, right? One, one path could lead to an outcome where a competitive balance is threatened or lessened. And one, the other path, the academy path, the we're going to spend our money on the kids and we're not going to put it into big star players that can make us in infinitely, not infinitely better, but exponentially better team, that doesn't lead to competitive balance or imbalance, right? So that that's why that, like MLS wants to maintain competitive balance. And I think there is some merit in that, right? But it's like we talked about last week, right? It's all about the spectrum. And where you are on the sliding scale and how much do you want to tilt towards competitive balance and how much do you want to tilt towards uh, ambition and pushing things forward? And, you know, as we hammer home every damn week on this show, 
we think MLS is a little bit too far in the competitive balance direction and not quite far enough in the ambition direction. And I think this rule is an example of that. Sam, you made a really good point in last week's show that I've thought about a lot, which is kind of and, and in your column, which is was that, it an obvious point or was no, it a this good one point? actually took real thought okay. and and a little bit of work, unlike your other <laughs> predictions. Um, in that, in that, um, you know, the aim is to kind of be NFL like, and I think if that's true, it's not that difficult to look over to the NFL and see the way that they structured things to create and maintain competitive balance, but to not disincentivize spending. And in fact, the NFL system incentivizes spending, you know, by having something we've talked about a lot, which is a salary cap with no restrictions on how to spend that money, right? Did you and, just say a salary cap incentivizes spending? No, I'm saying a salary cap with no restrictions on how to spend <laughs> the money, right? Specific, like, there's no pots of money within the NFL salary cap. No, I, they I just still... Wanted, I just just wanted they, you to clear, clear, clarify it for They the still have a salary cap, just like MLS. Teams still have limits to what they can they, spend. They have some buckets too. They have franchise tag. And it's not that's not like a that. bucket that that's that's not a bucket of money. That's a that's a designation. It's a classification. Of, yeah, but it doesn't dictate how much money you make unless the player accepts the one year tag. It's really a function of keeping a player in your roster. Yeah. Or else getting compensated anyway. if you lose them. But you know, they also have a salary floor to make sure that the lower spending teams are spending enough to remain competitive, right? A higher salary floor. So there are ways to do this, right? There are ways to allow the Toronto FCs to spend as much as they're spending, to put a cap on that spending, and to not allow the competitive balance to get out of whack by doing the opposite thing that MLS is doing, which is by restricting the lack of spending right by the lower spending teams instead of restricting the higher spending by the higher spending teams so in other words the this rule that that creates a situation where toronto now is limited in what they can do with young money should be reversed you know what i mean like the incentive should be like, okay, <laughs> if, if you, you spend more money, you should have more freedom. If and if you, you spend don't less, spend, you should have less freedom. Yeah. If you don't spend X amount of money on your first team, then you don't get three young money spots. You only get one. Or, I mean, it would, wouldn't be that because you'd want them to spend more money. But if you don't spend X amount of money on your team, then this is There's actually then punitive. there is there is no There's punitive damage punitive. you must yeah. spend this amount of money on your team that's what right. it should say otherwise you must... you're not roster compliant and then correct you have to put matias pellegrini in on your usl league one roster right or or bring <laughs> matias pellegrini back to your roster right like they're like it's that simple to me it's it's the that right now the people who are still controlling how teams spend are the hunts who are spending a, a good amount of money, decent amount of money on their academy and doing so successfully. And Kerfoot, who hasn't historically spent a lot, though they're Greg, finally starting. Greg, Greg Kerfoot, Kerfoot, the owner of, of the Vancouver Whitecaps. Yeah. They're finally starting to spend a little bit more. They're opening it up finally to using some of that Alfonso Davies money. Right. And, you know, the, these other owners who are fiscally conservative in, in how they want to spend That's within this league. of putting it. 
Yeah. And, and, and that's the problem. And, and MLS really, really, really the excuse. I'm tired of the, the BS excuse of competitive balance. That's, that's all it is for me, man. There are ways to maintain competitive balance by limiting the floor that teams are spending, not limiting and still limiting the ceiling rather, not, not limiting it. Yeah. Still limiting the ceiling, but also limiting the floor. So that you keep everyone close together. And MLS does not do enough of that. I don't even think they really need to have a very high floor. I don't think you really need to change a floor right now. They've studied it, Sam. It was in the BCG report. It showed them the difference. right? If you go back and read the story Pablo Maurer and I did about the BCG report, it shows that they know exactly the percentage of difference in spending where you start to see competitive balance shift and they took that study and they took that message and they said we better limit what these higher spending teams are doing before we hit this percentage instead of being like you know what we should do we should make sure that no team can fall below 35 percent of the higher spending teams right when re- i mean really it should be higher than that like if you get it to 50 percent of you're going to be you're going to be somewhat competitive right and so all they need to do is that. But instead, they, they kind of stick all these buckets here and there. And it just it's so frustrating to me because it, it feels like it feels like it's trying to tell us like, oh, we have to do this for the good of the game, for the good of the league. And I don't think that's true. I don't I'm tired of being told that. Can I play devil's advocate for a while? Like. I'm the devil's advocate on this show, Sam, right? This episode. I I mostly agree with you with what you're saying. Um, I definitely think that the ceiling, right? Like, there's no reason that TFC or New England or Seattle or who was the other team? Miami. Um, There's no reason that those teams who all have three senior DPs above the TAM limit from what I believe and understand shouldn't be able to sign three U 22 players if they want to. Right. That's, that's silly to me. I totally agree with you there. But when you're, when you're establishing a floor, like, are you getting into a place where you're you're mandating that owners lose more money per year on their teams? And like, I agree with you. Like, I I agree with you that these owners at the bottom, these Colorado's, these Houston's, Right, that aren't really trying very hard, if we're being honest, at an ownership level. No shade on anyone working at the clubs. They are trying their hardest with limited resources to put a winning product on the field. And in some cases, they're doing pretty well at that, in my opinion. Um, but these ownership groups that aren't trying very hard, they, they should be trying harder. They should be spending more money. right? And you need to spend to make. right? If you're not going to treat your club like a big league club... People aren't gonna people aren't gonna view it as such, and people aren't gonna perceive it as such. And there are countless examples now, not countless, but a lot of examples now of these newer expansion teams, in particular, coming in in a major way and reaping the rewards on the field and off. Right. So the model exists. These teams don't really buy into it. They don't really push for it for whatever reason. I agree with you. Those teams need to do more. But if you're the league. I sort of understand this is a little bit of a tough position, right? I'm mandating that owners who employ me lose more money. 
right? If I'm mandating a floor that's higher than what they're currently spending. So I can understand why that's a tough position. And this is what we go back to all the time, man, right? It's a balance of power among these two factions of owners, right? Among the aggressive owners and the non-aggressive owners. And right now it's still with the non-aggressive owners. I think it's shifting, but it's not going to happen overnight. And until it shifts where the balance of power is with the aggressive ones, we're going to keep having these same discussions. Hey, folks, it's Joe Lowry here. Before I let Paul and Sam get back to talking about some of their frustrations with MLS roster rules and spending, let's take a break to hear from today's sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. I'm going to come back around to the BCG report, Sam, because the the Boston Consulting Group report, Paul and Pablo, they f- they found this report. They got they got a copy of it. Basically, they did a big old study on MLS and what the future of the league should hold, and and all of those things. What the league should do, right. consulting and- firm. Et cetera, et cetera. And, and the league doesn't follow it exactly, nor should they have. Okay, notably, you know, what, reading through the report, and we didn't put the whole report online, but reading, we we were able to read the whole whole report. Reading through it, it was very clear that there weren't enough soccer experts involved in the BCG study. I mean, one good sign of that is one of their recommendations was to pull money out of youth development. Not a great idea for soccer business, and the league has gone the opposite route, rightfully so. But specific to the studies that they did regarding the competitive model in MLS and uh, specific to kind of what interested soccer fans in this country, what what made them tune into the sport, what they read was what they acknowledged in this report was, look, we know MLS is losing a lot of money every year. We acknowledge that. However, we have statistics that show that more spending will lead to a broader fan base, right? And this goes back yeah, again to yeah. the the you idea got, of like you got to spend to make. You got to uh, eventually the, this chicken and the egg situation. It, you have to take another path, right? Like you can't continue to say, "Well, we're losing money, so we shouldn't be spending more," right? That that that's the argument of these. But they, less, I think they would argue that they are spending more, but not and enough. They are. And so and so in this BCG study, right? They said. Essentially, they did make this recommendation that you put in a ceiling and a floor and you bring the lower spending owners and have them close the gap that way with the higher spending owners. And essentially, the recommendation was, you know, combining this idea, right, of if you spend more, you'll broaden your fan base and here's the way to keep your competitive balance, sure. right? It's not rocket science, man. Like it, it's not. It does increase the likelihood that those higher spending teams will win more often. Not all the time, 
but more often, right? In percentage points, they, than they, they already do win now, a lot in right? the playoffs. You know, if you look at the MLS Cup winners, and and also like the randomness of MLS Cup playoffs means that it doesn't, especially now that it's single elimination. Kind yeah, of, there's gonna be there's gonna be some randomness baked in. There are gonna be some weird teams that make weird runs, right? So all I'm saying is like this is something that the league is aware of. This is something that they've been told they should look at doing, and that at this point. As you just said, Sam, the people who are making the decisions are saying, no, we think the better thing to do is to limit how much money each team can spend to grow it as slowly as possible. And in fact, to incentivize teams to not spend that aggressively or to not spend in that way aggressively. And so, like, again, I come back to this Toronto signing. Toronto in some ways, I think, Sam, I think you reported this, kind of delayed this third DP signing because they, not wholly, but partly were debating, is it better for us to not sign one of these players who we've scouted and who we rate and who we believe would help our team right? in order to make sure that we can maximize the young money slots? In other words, they actually... We're, we're disincentivized to go and sign one of the best young playmakers in South America. Yeah, it entered into the calculus. And, how and is that bad? How is this signing bad for MLS? Can somebody explain it to me? <laughs> it's not. Of course it's not. Right? Then why do the rules happen- treat it as such? Sotelda just happens to be seven months too old. Right? Like, that's that's kind of it. Like, And, and by the way, I th- from what I understand from the rules... As soon as he wouldn't be a young DP, right? So if he was 22 instead of 23 right now, he's turning 24, I think, in June or something like that. So that's why he's not eligible to be a young DP. Right. It's the year in which you turn 23 is your final year. Right. So he wouldn't be eligible the following season then in 2022 if he was born in December, in in the previous December instead of June. So you're running into the same sort of issue, you know? Um, but yeah, man, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't really have a good answer for this. Like I'm, I'm, I feel like I've taken up this weird space where I'm arguing the league's position, which is a a rare point of view for me, but, um, I don't think there is a good reason for it. It's just, it's just because the owners who weren't going to be spending a ton of money didn't want to let the owners who are going to be spending a ton of money run too far ahead. I think it's that simple. Sam, I wonder your opinion on this next this next rule that I wanted to discuss before we move on to to other things, and that is the decision from the league to eliminate general allocation money as an incent as as a reward or as part of what you can use any profits from the sale of a designated player. So yeah, so basically to rephrase, that just means if you sell a DP you're not allowed to convert any of that fee into general allocation money. That's a change from the previous practice. What was it? It was up to a million? A million dollars, right. Yeah. So So. you go from – so basically what happens is when you sell a designated player, the first thing that happens is the the revenue from that sale, they they take out anything that came out of the owner's pockets, any of the discretionary money. So So all salary above the – all salary above the max salary budget. So this year, 612500 Any salary paid above that. And any acquisition costs. That money goes back into the owner's pocket. So if you sell a player for $10 million and you spent $5 million on the transfer fee and two years of a $1 million salary, 
$7 million salary, so another 2.2. That $7.2 million goes into your owner's pockets. Now you have $2.8 million that goes into the team and must go into the team. Now, there are different ways that that can happen. Previously in MLS, you could take a million dollars of that 2.8 and turn it into general allocation money, which is salary cap space. The rest you could put into your academy. You could put in, I think, Matt Miazga. Part of that sale went into a new facility for the Red Bulls. You could put it into yeah, another transfer fee. Yeah. You could put it into a transfer fee for uh, your next DP. And, and by the way, that first part part of the whole kit and caboodle that went into the owner's pocket, that can also go into all of those other things too. It's not like they have to pro- keep it well, profit. Once once it goes back to the owner, the owner can do with it what they what they want. It right? just it can't be it can't be gam, but right. it can be any of the discretionary stuff. So now that gam is gone. And the I've game tried, is gone. The game is gone. And and that's and, and it's not insignificant. Gam, the best way to think about game, yes, it's a tradable asset, but it's salary cap space. That's why it's so valuable. And it really and gives by by the way, there's a lot more of it now than there was last year. So like we need to reframe even how we think about this, Paul. Um GAM is being used on players who were previously TAM players, players that are over the maximum budget charge. That's not a thing that happened before because GAM was too scarce, but the new CBA changed that. Uh, so, you know, some of your previous TAM players, now not technically TAM players anymore, GAM players. Anyway, quick aside. So I've tried. I've had conversations when I was writing the story about the roster rules, kind of trying to figure out what the league's justification was for it. This one doesn't make any sense. They didn't have one. Essentially, it was, you know, in in my discussions with people, you know, there wasn't an there wasn't an explanation. It was kind of like teams don't factor in a million dollars in gam when they buy or sell DPS. Like they kind of, Which, it's a bonus. Fair enough. I believe that. Sure, but it doesn't provide a justification for the rule yeah, change. It's just like why why take it off the table? If you're trying to become a selling league, wouldn't you want to keep every incentive to sell on the table available? Right? Like and and this you're just kind of taking off for I don't know, not much apparent reason. And it's the same thing you sort of mentioned it a little earlier, but it's the same thing with the young money signings, right? Where I think if it's what? If you if it's a two and a half million dollar fee or less then you can get up to a million in GAM on a resell. But if it's a, if it's five million or more, you can't convert any to GAM. And then there are different exit ramps in between there. So yeah, that that one I don't really get and I don't really see a good reason for it other than maybe again, maybe some of the owners who aren't gonna be in this DP market potentially and aren't gonna be looking to sell players, maybe, um, wanted to rein in the clubs that might be looking to do those things. Uh, and so Atlanta can't go and sell Miguel Almiron and net a big profit and a million dollars in game when that sort of behavior really should be incentivized and rewarded. So anyway, I, I don't really understand that one. Paul, any other thoughts on the subject? Sam, I, honestly, I'm just frustrated by these rules. And, you know, part of it to me is just like almost kind of personal because I spend my... I, 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 <laughs> They're I, doing this to piss you off. <laughs> no, it's not even like that. It's like, it's like Sam, like... I don't know. What are you talking about? It's personal to me because you and I spend our life covering this league and we're like, 
we kind of like have to like tell each other this sometimes we both get into these ruts and luckily they don't time up with each other usually you go into a rut and then i talk you out of it and then like a few days later like i'm in the rut and you yeah. talk me out of it we're on but different like, cycles it, it all <laughs> it often is like this thing of like what are we doing? You know, like, this, is this league trying to be something? Are they going to grow at the rate we hope and want them, the sport to grow so that our careers can grow with it? Or like, are we covering this league that just is like very happy being exactly what it is right now? And, you know, when we have these kind of moments where we jump into like the real global game, it's great and it's exhilarating and it's fun. And you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then you kind of back to the reality of MLS, which is like chugging along and chugging along. And you're like, <laughs> what am I doing? You know? And like these rules just put me into that phase of like, where is this going? You know? And how slowly are we going to get there? And I, I don't, I'm not trying to say I have all the answers. I don't know what their books look like. Obviously, you're just, you're just trying to say you feel personally attacked. I, I feel it. like it's like it's like no. I'm saying I just it, I take it personally <laughs> because it affects my life negatively. <laughs> it, um, it does. I mean, to answer, where is this league going? Are they going to grow at the rate that we want? No, they're not going to grow at the rate that we want. That that much is fairly obvious. However. I think MLS is growing. If there's anything my reporting over the last few months has taught me, I've Paul, I used to be more hardcore on this stuff than you were, I think. You would have to walk me back. And I think we've flipped. I think I'm now like the uh reasonable one, which is like kind of sad. I'm losing my edge. That might have been going too far. I wouldn't call you reasonable, but yes, I would agree that you are talking this, me down on more on often. On this than specific <laughs> topic. <laughs> That's the caveat there. Um I don't know, man. I mean, MLS is going to grow how it's going to grow, and it's going to be slow and steady wins the race. And uh, the sooner that you come to terms with that, the less exasperated you will be. Just yeah, we'll see. It. We'll see if it wins the race. You know, in this case, we will see. The tortoise yeah. might get run over by a car while the hare wins the race. We don't really and, know. And the car is called the the Super League. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Rest in peace. On that note, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back with more after. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Today's episode is brought to you by our old friends, Mac Weldon. Wouldn't it be nice if we could have things both ways, like a zero-calorie cheeseburger, internet ads in March that weren't just reminders to do your taxes, a dog that never needs walking after midnight when it's cold, a Manchester United that is consistently good instead of their current scattershot approach? Well, we tend to think of clothing as an either-or situation as well. People think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort. But it's possible to have it both ways. Mack Weldon makes timeless apparel with modern performance fabrics for guys who want to look and feel sharp 
without sacrificing comfort. From their light-as-air underwear to innovative anti-odor tees and versatile yet comfortable pants, Mack Weldon has a full range of clothes that never go out of style. I got a few things recently, including a long-sleeve polo, which I love, uh, maybe the most comfortable t-shirt, which I also love, and my new favorite sweatpants, the Ace sweatpant. It's exactly what I described above, comfort and versatile, but still stylish. It's the type of sweatpant I can wear to pick up my kids from daycare and not think, I'm now wearing sweatpants in public. The other parents will judge me. Now I just think, judge away, nerds, because you will never be this comfortable unless you're also wearing a pair, in which case, high five. Mack Weldon is not flashy. It's just classic, always in style, and made from the world's most comfortable performance materials. They're designed to fit both your style and the demands of modern life. So get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code TSS. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com, promo code TSS to get 20% off your first order. Thank you to Mack Weldon for sponsoring today's episode. And we are back. Usually it's Sam bringing us back from the breaks, but I don't know if you guys have noticed in this episode, Sam's kind of flipping the script here. He's trying to be the one who's like as he said, reasonable. He's defending the league. Basically, what's happened is Sam spent a little bit of time with Chicharito Sports Psychologist. Sam's in grind mode. We were grinding. He's feeling blessed. He's not looking back at last year. He's focused on his future. And he's in a really good place right now, guys. He's got five goals in the last two games. He's on pace to score, I don't even know. 85. 85 goals. Yeah, And I, he's this close. I don't know if he was doing it while I was talking or not. But he's this close to ripping off a Chicharito impression, I think, on this show. And maybe we'll start there, Sam. Ya boy, Chicharito, hat trick, <laughs> back-to-back MLS player of the week. Yeah. MLS Who could have seen it coming? Only one person saw That's it coming. Right. No me. one else expected Chicharito to score goals true. in Major League Soccer. Two people, me and Chicharito. That's it. Maybe Greg Vanny, maybe Chicharito's parents. But we only know two for sure. And that's me and the little P. It is what it is, man. We're just grinding. All right. Imagining amazing things. So Chicharito's scoring. The Galaxy are winning as a result. Hold on. on. We were supposed to talk about another roster thing, Paul. No, no, no. I've skipped over it because this is too important. I don't want to listen to you. defend things that the league does anymore i don't you're ruining this episode so we're <laughs> just like gonna the go existential crisis episode of allocation i'm gonna disorder. pull you out of this funk by talking about chicharito i'm having a great time man i'm laughing i feel like you're the one in the funk right now i'm just gonna bring up chicharito and i'm gonna ask you okay ask is this me. sustainable not just chicharito scoring but the galaxy is he gonna score 85 goals the this galaxy year? winning obviously are, are um, they gonna be able to win games the way that they're playing right now i mean sure they've won two already are they going to win every game like this no their their back line is still spectacularly iffy right and but the attack is flowing nicely they actually like play pretty well together they're enjoying themselves i think that makes a big difference in this stuff honestly you see it with atlanta too even though they got you know the end result for them against philadelphia wasn't so good um but when you have a positive vibe in the group it makes a huge difference and i think they have that now and they didn't really have that most of the last four years i think it's fair to say right um and they're playing with confidence and kind of a reflection of everything that's going on with chicharito 
So is it sustainable? Are they going to win every game? Is Chicharito going to score 85 goals? Obviously not, right? Um, but are they going to make the playoffs? I think so. Um, I picked them to make the playoffs. Not everyone did that either, Paul. I'll have you. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I'll have you know. Um, I think they still need. They still need help on that back line. They still haven't gotten their new DP signing in, Kevin Cabral. Um, so I'm curious to see what he brings. Um, but yeah, I, I'm. I think it's a positive start. They have talent on that squad, right? Jonah Dos Santos, Chicharito, Legette, um, among probably their three best players. The goalkeeper looks a lot better than what they've had in the past, Jonathan Bond. And they have some new additions that they still have, have to integrate. So I'm over, overall feeling pretty positive about LA. Do you disagree with any of that? No, I would agree with it. I mean, first of all, what do you need to make the MLS playoffs, like win-wise? <laughs> like slightly below, slightly below 500. You need you need like seven wins, seven or eight wins over the course of the season. Seven Obviously, or eight. You need some not draws in a, not too. Not in a full thirty-four game season. You need maybe in a twenty-two game, twenty-three. Yeah, game I guess season. I was looking at last year's standings. Yeah. Whatever. They're like twenty percent of the way there, just like you are with your Chicharito goal. So they're feeling over pretty 25. good about themselves. Thank you. Uh, I did not have the Galaxy in the playoffs. I had them just on the outside of the playoffs. Uh, I think that they probably will make the playoffs considering the way things have started as long as they stay healthy, right? I think that's important for them. And they're going to miss guys for international duty, right? Legette will be gone. Jonah Dos Santos will be gone. Maybe Chicharito will be gone. If Chicharito keeps scoring, he's going to be in Tokyo. He's going to be in the Olympics. That's that's my Olympics. He's going to be an overage player at the Olympics. Now, what's interesting is if he keeps scoring like this, you can't can you turn that down? Can you can you do what PSG didn't do to Neymar and say if Chicharito wants to go to the Olympics, and but he's he's your he's overage. He's not you. You're not required to release him. Like how would the I mean, guy? You're not required know. to release him regardless of his age. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. I, I think that's my prediction that he's I mean, going to be an overage. He could selection. get back. He could get back in with the full team. But what's he going to go back for? The Gold Cup? No. In the summer? Uh-uh. He's not going well, to the Gold, Gold Cup. Gold Cup qualifiers? Season's the, still that's going. That's not until September. Yeah. I, I, he could be there. But more interestingly, I think Na- he could be Nations gone for, for multiple weeks at, in Tokyo. I don't yeah, think he'll be back for Nations League. I think it will take longer levels of sustained scoring than that. Nations League is also during the MLS break as well. So he wouldn't yeah. miss any of so, for that. Anyways, I think it's interesting. I, I agree that the back line still... Need significant work for the Galaxy, but you know a lot of backlines in Major League Soccer need significant work, and a lot of those backlines are going to be in the MLS playoffs. So I don't see why the Galaxy would be any different. <laughs> um, how you've changed your tune from two short weeks ago, my man. Um, I had them about- ninth. I still think. I mean, that's, I that's two spots out. We talked about it then. Like you look at the West and you get to yeah. six. I mean, it's seven, both. eight, nine, ten, eleven. You're kind of like, okay, here's another team I've seen twice at the beginning of the season, Sam. Austin. I had Austin 11th. That's going to be way wrong, I think. I, I think still haven't spent time with Austin yet. I need to. That's on they my play list good soccer, month. man. They play good soccer. I like, the, I like the way that they look early on this year. I mean, it's two games in. So, and, yeah. and you know the other thing I have to keep reminding myself, especially, and this is what I talked about in the preview show with expansion teams, is... It's the Death. grind of the season. Yeah. That, that really, Can really they like <laughs> Can they grind like Gigi Can they grind like Gigi Can Are you deep enough? Because eventually your 18th, 19th, 22nd, 24th guy is going to be out on the field. And and it really matters what those guys look like. 
right? And and yeah. where you finish. But they've yeah. looked good through the first two games of the season. I've been impressed with Austin. Uh, Josh Wolf, I think, I, I'm impressed with the way he has his team playing. I think they'll be solid all year. And, and they still have a DP signing to make as well. Uh, I did want to spend a little time with Atlanta and Philadelphia. They played a, a really fun CONCACAF Champions League first leg earlier on Tuesday night. We finished watching that game and then hopped right on. So that's fresh in our minds. Atlanta was all over Philly in the first half, just completely all over them. They couldn't finish. They were a little sloppy in the final third, and Andre Blake made a series of incredible saves. And in the second half, the Union blitzed them, man. 3 nothing. Philadelphia goes down to Mercedes-Benz Stadium, wins the first leg, puts themselves in great position to advance to the CCL semifinal. They will not be with Jose Martinez in the second leg, which is worth noting. Uh, he picked up a very early yellow card, and he's going to be suspended for the return leg back in Philly. Um, but Atlanta, I mean, that first half ended, I'm like, Atlanta are good again. They're back. Here we go. They're going to clean up this finishing. They're going to get a couple, and the floodgates might open. And Philly had other ideas. Just an incredibly tough, gritty performance. A lot of fight in that team. Um, Really impressive character. And that's what you get when you have a group that's been together for a while and has had success together. And you see Atlanta, and it's a new setup, new coach, a lot of new players. They don't really have that right now. And they were a little bit naive, especially towards the end when they got stretched and gave up a couple of late goals to make a 1-0 deficit into a 3-0-1 heading into leg two. So, yeah, what what did you think of this match? What stood out to you? I mean, I agree with everything you said about Philly. I think that's what stood out to me, is that this is a team that gets it. They're on the same page. They've bought into who they are. They have belief, right, to get worked the way that they did in the first half and come out in the second and do what they did. That's belief, man. Yeah, that's, and, that's, and, a, and a change by Jim Curtin, by the way. Yeah. Sergio Santos on for Corey Burke. Corey Burke was not good, and Sergio but, Santos was very good. Yeah, Jim Curtin, I think, has done a really nice job, obviously, in Philly, and, and I, this is a good team. They're good. Yeah. They're a really and, good team. By the way, uh, Leon Flack, this new signing, 20-year-old, German-American, <laughs> came over from, from St. Pauli in the second Bundesliga. Uh, he's. I, I watched them on Saturday when they, they lost to Miami. I watched them again tonight. Really high-energy player on the side of the diamond. Um, he's done some things. He did things in both of those games when things were not going well for the Union. Just pretty much straight-up hustle plays to kind of help get them out of that rut. And, and those are real big contributions from that character that we were just talking about. And it's interesting to see that from a guy who's brand new to the team. Um, but he's he's been an interesting pickup for them. Uh, I kind of like him. Under the radar one, but one that I think is going to pay dividends all year. Yeah, another signing from Ernst Tanner coming out of the second Bundesliga. That's that's Early returns are good. Yeah. Kai, Kai Wagner... He wasn't uh, even second Bundesliga. He was third division. He was division, third division. Yeah. But lower in the lower divisions of uh of German Germany. soccer that, that he's yeah. found and have worked and not every player Kat, will translate to Major Kasper League Shabilko, another who had two goals and an assist tonight for the Union. So Yeah. So you know, I will say I, I was shocked at the approach from Atlanta United in the second half. This is a two leg series. I thought that at a certain point, you can't get 
that stretch, especially after it's, it's your home game. I get once you give up the goal, you want to get another goal. You don't want to go on the road in a deficit, a two, essentially a two goal deficit. Well, I guess it wouldn't have been. You score a goal. It's, it's all knotted up at one. But like, yeah, I, I, I just think like math. they <laughs> I just think that they. It felt like they they just didn't think through kind of how wide open they let the game get well, late, it's a, late. It's a super young team, right? And it's a super intense, energetic young coach, right? And they all want to make good first impressions. They go down a goal. They start pressing a bit. The second one, it wasn't like the Union had huge numbers up. Atlanta made an error with, with a pass. Um, I think it was like a two-on-four, and basically the Union guy was able to take advantage and turn a two-on-four into a two-on-two really quickly. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. They were a little bit naive, and they couldn't finish, man. Like, the final third, it was not working. Jurgen Dom, he put himself in a lot of great spots on the right wing, beat a lot of guys one-on-one. His crossing was awful. Couldn't even come close. Um, There were some bright spots, I thought, for Atlanta that continued on from their game uh, against the fire that they won three to one on the weekend. Uh, this Santi Sosa, man, I love this guy. Huge fan of his. I think he's 21 from river super inexperienced as a pro didn't come with many minutes under his belt, but he is so composed on the ball. Excellent passer, really good vision, good in the tackle, smart. Uh, I think he's got big things in his future. Uh, this is what young money is about. Yeah. Right. This is your goal with young money. Right. You take a bit of a risk on a player who hasn't had a ton of experience. You pay good money for him and you hope that you can develop him and get something out of him. And they're getting a contributor right away. And Sam, I think you're hinting at the fact that you believe you believe if he continues to play at this level in this way, that he's going to be I mean, he's going to be not sold. just a contributor, man. Like he's the heartbeat of their team. Yeah, like he's really important. And in terms of newcomers to the league, again, very early here, right? But in terms of newcomers to the league, there haven't been many that have been better. Yeah, but the coaches that are watching are saying the same things, right? Jim Curtin, before this game, talked about the more that he watched Atlanta, the more he came to like really appreciate what Sosa does, right? Uh, I spoke to Frank Lopas, you know, ahead of the game that the fire played. Fire assistant coach slash fire legend. Yeah, and and Klopa said the same thing. You know, that was the player that stood out uh, when you're watching and reviewing what what Atlanta does. So, I mean, that's it's fantastic. I it you want these types of success stories early on, and and this is coming from somebody who has been a little bit hesitant to about what's going to happen with U22 initiative, well, as I mean, they call it, young money, they, as we Atlanta call it. has three right. Ibarra and Lopez being the other two, and those guys haven't made barely any impact at all. Right. So again, very early for them as well. But yeah, yeah. I mean, but this is this is what the I mean, right? Early returns, but like you hope that you get somebody like this, who again, not a lot to work off of when you're signing him, and and you know, you're you're very impressed early on on what what Sosa's done. For sure. Uh, We've talked about the fire for a second. This team, it's remarkable to me how similar they are to last year. It's like nothing changed. Pretty good in possession. Terrible defensively, man. And it's not just the back four. That midfield three of Jimenez and Stojanovic and Madron is so light. 
just so light defensively. And I don't know how you fix this this season if this, you're fire. This isn't a shock, like to your point, right? right? We knew that Madron and Jimenez could not play together with an attacking midfielder in front of them. Neither Madron nor Jimenez like to defend or defend well. Jimenez is a bigger problem considering he's a DP number six who doesn't defend. Yeah. He's kind of like Harris Madunian-esque for yeah, those who are unfamiliar. It's, it's not good. Um, and, and there was a goal. The angle of the goal that they showed in Atlanta was like coming from like the sky cam kind of. It was from the behind angle. And in the moment, you see all of the midfielders just dropping, dropping, dropping. No one's putting pressure on the ball. And and it allow, it allows the player to dribble, carry the ball like 10, 12 yards forward towards the 18 before distributing and it leads to a goal. And I'm sitting there like, what in the world is happening here? And and really, Sam, to your point, <laughs> I don't... It's pretty basic stuff. <laughs> it's, it's like, I mean, to Somebody's me... Somebody's got to step to the ball. To me, you know... I don't know. I'm you, need, gonna ha- you, need, you need to change that midfield. If yeah. You want to have I mean, any in chance, the preseason, the preseason, the fire used uh, Kappelhoff in central midfield. I think they need to try it because at least he yeah. has or, energy or and Pineda. defense. Yeah. Put, I, I think Pineda's too slow. They're, they're, I mean, Kappelhoff's I right. slow too. They're slow in general, their midfield. They need athleticism badly in this team in general. And I think that was like kind of a miss early. From the early height signings that he's kind of learned that MLS is a very athletic league. We've seen the signings in the second window kind of look a little bit more athletic, a little bit more fit the part of what MLS is about. But those players aren't really on the field. Um, and, and that's problematic, right? That's led to issues. I don't think Sekulich is the answer at right back. I think Espinosa needs to get a run out. I think when Navarro is healthy, he needs to go into the left back spot. Yeah, but you still um, have the same problems. But again, I think you've got to move Kappelhoff into midfield. Who do you bench? I would probably bench Madron. Maybe you bench Jimenez. Do you have does does Rafa Wiki, a young coach, you know, is he going to bench a DP? I don't know. Some coaches don't like to do that. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, they need to fi- figure out that midfield trio and specifically. What they need is a young, you know, box to box destroyer who can cover a lot of ground and 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 essentially cover up the deficiencies. Uh, Jose Martinez around him, yeah, you know, from from the Union, a guy who's all over the place and covers a ton of ground, makes isn't afraid of a tackle. They don't have that right now. Um, other teams that I saw this weekend that I wanted to kind of hit on quickly: uh, Paulie Red Bulls, not looking great. You know what? I knew that they were going to be not what I expect them to be early in the year. They don't have all their pieces, and I think they're going to get better. Like when Klamala's in the lineup, they, they still need a striker. You know, I think Frankie Amaya, when he came in on this weekend, I actually think the Red Bulls got better. You know, yeah. I think Amaya, Amaya is a good player, and he's not by, even fit by the, yet. By, by the way, a million dollars for him just still seems like a lot to me. I, I, I mean, feel like that hasn't been talked about, but... You know, I I did not watch enough Cincinnati games last year to comment on how good or not Amaya is. I I do think that, you know, I do think that the fact of the teams that were chasing him, the coaches that are there and the system that they like to play, I think he probably ended up in the right spot. You know, a high pressing team. Yeah. Well, they were all high pressing um, teams. They're all high pressing teams. I think, you know, 
I respect the soccer knowledge of those three front offices. And I'm interested to see what happens. But all that being said, ain't pretty. They ain't going to finish second in the league. (laughs) It's going to take some time. (laughs) And uh, the one of us who went out on a limb is just going to be hanging out out here on the limb by himself, you know, for a long time. Maybe they turn it around. Who knows? Stranger things have happened. The Colorado, I, the Colorado Rapids finished second in the they, league in 2016. They could, they could make. I think the Red Bulls could still very much make the playoffs and make some noise. I just don't think they're going to finish second in the league. Yeah, the the whole three five two thing was was weird. That looked awkward and not great. Uh, I thought they got better after they switched back into the diamond. Um, but again, they have they have trouble playing with the ball, which. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes that's not a bad thing in MLS. Look at Atlanta Philly, right? Like the team that tries to play with the ball in MLS, often it doesn't work so well for them. So hit in transition, uh, get on their press, try and counter, whatever you want to do. Sometimes that's the best way forward. Uh, any other teams Sam, that you wanted to hit on? I got a question for you. Are you oh, selling yeah. low? Are you selling, selling low, low on Minnesota United? I mean – I was never a huge buyer of them, although I think I picked them to finish third, so maybe maybe I was a big buyer on them. Um, no, I'm not selling at this point after they've lost to RSL 2-1 to one at home and Seattle 4 nothing on the road when they still have a couple of big signings that are coming into camp. No, I'm not going to sell on them just yet. Uh, I didn't think they were particularly good against Salt Lake. I didn't think they were like terrible or anything like that, but if you had to like pick a deserved winner from that game, I think it was RSL. Uh, and that's not encouraging at home when you're supposed to be one of the top teams in the West. Uh, I think there's a real talent gap between them and the other supposed contenders in the conference when you're talking about Seattle or LAFC or Portland. Um, and I don't know. They have thin margins, it's sort of like the Union in the East. If things aren't clicking for them, there's going to be some losses. And if those bad vibes start to build up, things can kind of get off the rails quickly. So I'm curious to see what they do next. Um, but no, I'm not selling just yet. Uh, I think they will improve. I think they will they will start to win some games here. Um, by the way, David Ochoa, bravo. I'll say it. Adrian Heath and Michael Boxel, bravo to you too. Everyone, get a little spicy with it. Who cares? Look, I think... Kicking it into the stands is going to get you in trouble no matter what. But if you are if he'll you get, are if you fined. are the person on Twitter being like, you know, or I'll, I'll Paul, call out our boy, Paul, I'll I'll call out our boy Chris Camrani. If you're like, hey man, like Ochoa can do what he wants, like that's not even that bad. Whatever, whatever. You can't also then complain about the people confronting him. Like it's not like like you have to embrace what? both. You have to embrace oh. both. You can't. You can't I think be you, like. I think let Ochoa boot can the call ball in the stands and then get angry at Adrian Heath for yelling at him and call and saying he's well, not good. You got to love it all, like all, you just did. First of all, I'm shocked that you would defend Adrian Heath. <laughs> like, are you? Are you, you, Sam, you should be up here pounding this table too because your boy. I already did. Your boy Chase Gasper was the first one in there wow. shoving. He was the I first mean, one listen. in there. Minnesota's just trying to mask the fact that they've gotten off to a bad start. They're they're in an upset mood, right? And then that happens, and then they're going to go try and mix it up. I get it. They're pissed off, right? Uh, my issue is with the people on Twitter who are like, that mean young man could have hurt 
dozens of Minnesota's finest children. And it's just like, get a grip. Cool off, man. Sam, now that New Who... hang on the cold Minnesota cool off. Now that New Who is a left center back, is Chase Gasper your favorite left back in MLS? No. <gasps> what? First of all, that's not even his name. It's Gase Chasper. <laughs> <laughs> Second of all, uh, he's not been very good this year. Um, Second of all, it's still New Who. You know... I know he's a left center back now, but he's not—he's not entirely not a left back. And I don't know who's my favorite left back in MLS. It's Gase Jasper. It's not. It's really not. I don't know who it is. I like this Claudio Bravo guy in Portland. He seems uh, feisty. I like that. Um, and he also shoots. I like a left back that shoots. Preferably terribly. You all right there? You just muted yourself while you tried to talk. Gotta shoot your shot. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Allocation Disorder. <laughs> I think we're going to shoot our shot on and end this show on that segment. And uh, thanks so much for listening, sincerely. This has been kind of a weird ride tonight, um, but we made it through. And thanks for sticking with us to the end. This is what happens when we record on a Tuesday. Things things get... It's the upside down. I'm out of whack. Um, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week, probably on Thursday slash Friday. But until then, enjoy the show. Thanks for listening.